Welcome to episode 117 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sacramento Trust partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sacarmor.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is Comcast. Comcast creates incredible technology and entertainment that connects millions of people to the moments and experiences that matter most. You can find more about how they support the military-affiliated population by going to corporate.comcast.com forward slash impact forward slash military. On today's episode, I'm featuring a conversation with Marine Corps combat veteran Dante Bickham, the illustrator for Psych Armor's military culture series sponsored by Comcast. After transitioning from the service, Dante got a degree in graphic design and animation but was truly an illustrator at heart. Dante says that working on the Military Culture Series put him in the role of illustrator for the first time, allowing him to do what he loved, as well as reference his time in the military by drawing on photos and memories of those he served with. You can find out more about Dante by checking out our show notes, so let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Dante, so great to be able to connect with you and share your story on the Behind the Mission podcast. Love to hear about the work that you're doing for Psych Armor as well as the other stuff. Before we get into that, I'd like to provide you an opportunity to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and why what you're doing in post-military life is really important to you. Thank you. Like you said, my name is Dante. I am a Houston, Texas native, so born and raised in Houston. I joined the Marine Corps right after high school. So the reason why I joined the Marine Corps, I was in JROTC as a freshman. Really didn't even like JROTC. I was kind of unruly, trying to be the cool kid inside of a very organized organization. And I wasn't really used to it. And I wanted to get out, but my mom was like, hey, you should try to stick it out and see if you like it. I took her advice. My mom was always giving me good advice. I originally started playing the piano when I was in the seventh grade. And I did not like it. And she told me to stick it out. And I ended up loving it. So once she told me to stick out JROTC, I just took her advice because she normally gives me great advice. So I stayed in JROTC all throughout high school, ended up loving it. Some of my friends actually got out of ROTC after they graduated and joined the Marine Corps. And then they came to come visit us back in high school. And man, just when they came in, the uniform was so crisp. Them boys seemed like they had a lot of discipline. I was like, man, it's completely different from JROTC. And even in JROTC, I had a lot of pride in my uniform. I would get it ready the night before, get my ruler out, just measure everything to the T. So I had a lot of pride in my uniform, even prior to going to the military. And I could see that character, a little bit more disciplined, well, a lot more disciplined. And I, I like that. Remained friends throughout their service. So I think they graduated two years before I did. So I got to follow their journey for two years while I was in school still. It came time for me to graduate high school. When you're a senior, everybody's preparing to go to college, showing up those college applications. And the whole time, I'm not filling out any college applications. And my mom was like, you should fill out some college applications. But I knew I wanted to join the Marines. So a recruiter was actually at my school. I had a pink USMC hoodie on. He's like, hey, where'd you get that from? I just had a cousin graduate from Marine Corps boot camp. So I told him about that. And he's like, you want to join the Marine Corps? So I told him, yeah. Him and I 
Well, I might not say we became buddies. I think that the recruiter's job is to make the person, the recruitee, feel like they're friends. So he would come to my school. He would come. I played rugby. So he would come to my rugby games. I was also a caricature artist in high school. So he would show up to my job. And he really showed me a lot of support. I graduated high school in May of 2010. And we went to boot camp at Huggies. I went to boot camp as an open contract because I was a little bit impatient. So they were like, hey, if you want to go to boot camp early, then you'd have to go as an open contract. And my recruiter promised me that I would not be a cook or in the infantry. And I didn't have a problem being in the infantry, but I definitely didn't want to be a cook. The ironic thing about that is, is at the end of boot camp, you start getting your contracts for what your MOS is going to be if you go open contract. So I got my contract and it said I was going to be a cook. And I was so upset. I became very emotional. I cried. I actually told my drill instructors, I'm not going to graduate boot camp if I am going to be a cook. I didn't join the Marine Corps to be a cook. My senior drill instructor asked me, what did I want to do? And I think that he gave me the option because in, in boot camp, I stood out a lot. I was very physically fit. They would tell me I had a lot of leadership qualities. I was actually a squad leader. I got fired from being a squad leader. I had no Barry. I was always laughing. But I definitely was told I had leadership qualities. So he hooked me up, asked me what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. The first thing that came to my head was infantry. I said, infantry. And he was like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, yeah, I want to do that. So I ended up getting the contract to become infantry, ended up going to school of infantry, graduated, went to my unit. While I was in school of infantry, they were telling us about my unit because my unit was already preparing to go to Afghanistan. So I got to my unit, did a workup, went on my first deployment in August of 2011. So a year after I joined the Marine Corps, I went to Afghanistan. And that would have been Hellman is where most of the Marines ended up in, in Afghanistan. I was actually in Kabul at the time. No time was a good time to be in Helmand province, but that time was not an easy gig. I wouldn't say it was easy or it was definitely tough, especially because some units that we were relieved, they would tell us like certain things that they went through. As a matter of fact, right before we went to Afghan, we shared a, I was in a 62 area in Camp Pendleton and we were with 3525 and they had gone to Afghanistan prior to us and we would hear a lot of the stories that they were having in Afghanistan. They had a lot of casualties. I want to say that it was 3-5 that went to Sangin. I think 2-5 also went. Sangin was a very hot spot. So when we went to Afghanistan, we got into a few engagements. I don't think it was anything like, you know how like the Marines went to Fallujah or they went to the original push to Sangin. Like they were taking casualties like pretty much every day. I think we got there in August and I think we took our first casualty in October. And I think that because of all the stories that I've heard prior to getting there, I went there with the mindset that every day was going to be a movie scene, right? So I'm thinking every day we're going to get into these hardcore engagements when a lot of times it was building relationships with the people around us. We did get into a few engagements, but I would say our mission more so was building relationships with the people in the town. Further into the Deployment, we did start doing, so we did a push. I feel like my deployment was split into building relationships and then engaging with the Taliban. So you get through Afghanistan. You did one enlistment in the Marines. You said you got out in 2014. Were there any other deployments after the first Afghanistan? Okay, so after I came back from Afghanistan, I went on a mule, the 31st mule. So we took a flight to Japan. And I think we stayed in Japan for about two months. And then we got on a ship. We floated through the ocean for a couple months. I stopped in Australia, 
Hong Kong and we went to Japan. So that had to be pretty eye-opening. Like your first gig was in Afghanistan, was not really great places. But then I grew up in St. Louis. It never really left the community. You grew up in Houston. Did you ever think that you'd be going to Hong Kong and Australia? And how were those experiences for you? I never thought that I would do those type of travels. I actually never thought that I would go to Afghanistan. Like Even today, it's still mind-boggling. I went to Afghanistan. I don't talk about that often, but when it comes up in conversation, after the conversation, my mind is just blown. I just can't believe some of the things I've done. And I feel like sometimes I water down the experience because I don't want people to think that I'm a hero or I don't want people to try to gas me up. So like even just us talking, I'm like, oh, we got into a few engagements when like it was kind of like intense. But going to Hong Kong, going to Japan, going to Australia, man, I never imagined doing that. But you know, when I was joining the Marine Corps, my recruiter would tell me like, man, you want to travel, man, in the Marine Corps. He didn't lie to me about that. We did get to do some good traveling. And, you know, I was so young when I joined the Marine Corps. I, went, I joined the Marine Corps when I was 18. I got out when I was 22. During that time, I felt like I had more of a personality of I was just going with the flow. Like, I didn't have a plan for my life, which was good that I was in the Marine Corps because there was a plan for me all day, every day. I didn't have to do anything. I just woke up and executed. So I was just going with the flow. And wherever they sent me, I was willing to go. When I was... In SOI, School of Infantry, they were going to send me to another unit that was already in Afghanistan. They were like, how do you feel about that? Because all my friends were going to go to 2-4. I was like, hey, man, wherever y'all send me is where I'm going to go. I guess I never took the time to process what it really meant for me to even have an opinion about what I was doing. So I was just like, hey, wherever y'all send me, I am prepared to go. I wanted to be a Marine so fast. So it was like, whatever the Marine Corps wants me to do, I'm going to do it. And as again, as we were talking, you and I both got out of the military in 2014, me after 22 years, you after four years. You said you originally thought you were going to stay in. And I many times thought that I was going to get out. What was that transition like for you leaving the Marine Corps at the age of 22? Everything you had experienced in that short period of time. What was that like for you no longer being in the Marine Corps? And it was a culture shock. It's kind of weird to say that because... When I got out of the Marine Corps, I had a lot of friends that it was hard for me to transition because I was so used to this lifestyle. I woke up. I was a Marine. I went to sleep. I was a Marine. On the weekends, I was a Marine. And some people don't really understand that because let's say I'm a cashier at Walmart or something, right? You're a cashier at Walmart only when you're a cashier at Walmart. Outside of Walmart, you don't identify as your job. But in the Marine Corps, you are your job all day, every day. Even on the weekend, sometimes I don't even get a weekend. When I went to Afghanistan, it was seven months, all day, every day, getting it on. So getting out of the Marine Corps and trying to transition, people will try to remind me all the time, hey, you're not in the Marines anymore. I would have close friends of mine tell me like, hey, man, you only were in the Marines for four years. How come it's difficult for you to transition? And I would try to explain to them like, I submerged myself in this culture and became this culture. So with football players, athletes, they really become that role, right? I became my role and I did it very well. And it's not that I wanted to get out of the Marines. I just felt like I had done everything that I wanted to do when I was in the Marine Corps. So I wanted to get out of the Marine Corps. When I got out, I think I had a lot of difficulties transitioning because I missed my friends. I felt like not many people understood me and I felt behind. Man, I felt behind a lot. A lot of my friends had already graduated college. They were already in their careers. And me, I was trying to figure out, man, what am I going to do? So thank God the military supported me very well 
for my transition, paying for you to move your stuff back home. Then I didn't have to worry about medical because I had VA disability. Man, that VA disability saved me so many times. Just being able to rely on the support that the VA was giving me. If I felt sick or if I got injured, I could just go to the VA hospital. So I felt very supported by the military. My mom will often remind me of how blessed I was to have this because not everybody had it. During my transition, I decided to go to college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I did know that the GI Bill would pay for my school and it would give me a housing allowance for me to go to school, for me to live off of. You can't really beat that. So I'm going to college. I don't have to work. I did work, but a lot of jobs really just didn't work out. My first job when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was a porter. I cleaned cars and I would take them back and forth from rental stations and they laid me off. That kind of, man, that right there started sparking entrepreneurship in my mind. It just laid me off. Their excuse was, we hired too many people and you're not in our budget. I thought that was a lame excuse, man. I don't think you can do stuff like that, but apparently you can. So I started collecting unemployment and was looking for different jobs while I was going to school. I originally started going to school to be an architect, but Tim, I thought it was boring. So I switched my degree over to animation and then I switched it over to graphic design. I graduated in 2018 from the Art Institute of Houston. I graduated in March. This part of my life became very emotional because two months later, my brother got shot. And that's, man, even talking about that now gets me emotional. So my brother got shot. I didn't really know what to do with my life during that time. Like, it was supposed to be one of the greatest times in my life, but it ended up being one of the most traumatic times in my life because I just graduated college. I was about to start my career. I got a job as a graphic designer at Stinger Chemical. They made chemicals for car washes. So you go through a drive through car wash, they made the chemicals for that. And it was a really cool job. I like creating advertisement and marketing for cars. It was really fun. But at the time, I was really going through a lot of things mentally, especially because my brother got shot. And for the record, he did not die, but he was seriously injured. And to watch him go through his rehab, I think he probably went through it for like two years. It was very saddening to me, and I, I wanted to spend a lot of time with him. My brother getting shot influenced me to really become an entrepreneur. I thought to myself that, hey, whatever I'm doing at these jobs, I can do for myself and I can spend more time with my family. So I decided to quit my job and go 100% on having my own business, which was ignorant because I had no idea the struggle that would come with owning your own business. People would tell me all the time, hey, this is not easy. I'm like, whatever, man. I was in the Marine Corps. Easy, schmeasy. I could do, if I can go to war, I can start my own business. Man, and I tell you, having a business, it is difficult. I will say that it's very difficult from searching for clients to having those clients try to pay you and then doing the actual work that, it that the clients want. And then you have to continue this cycle. But I found it very gratifying. And I had a friend during that time. Always, I was, I'm not going to say I was always sad, but in the back of my mind, I was always hurt by what happened to my brother. And then seeing like my squalor get killed when I went to Abbey, all that stuff started coming in my mind, I would have bad dreams. Sometimes I wouldn't even want to go to sleep because I'd had no idea what type of dream I would have. Some of the dreams would feel so real and I would wake up, man, I don't even want to go back to sleep. And my friend's like, hey man, I think that you have a story to tell. 
And I always thought that, you know, I'm like, man, the ingredients of the Marine Corps is a woo. But I had no idea what she really meant by that. We would always have conversations about what I went through in the military and about how I felt about what happened to my brother. And at the time, I was drawing caricatures, doing logo designs, doing brand identity. She's like, how come you just don't make a comic? And I'm like, I don't even know what I would make a comic about. I started designing this character. His name is Brinkley. This character really, I don't even like saying PTSD because it kind of has a negative connotation, but I guess the trauma that I had experienced, I wanted to make light of it. Not to forget it and not to say, oh, it was nothing, but I wanted to turn a bad situation into a good story or something funny. So I decided to create this comic book character and some things that I would experience, I would have him experience it but I would have to experience it in a very comical way. And I think this came about because I was having a conversation with this friend. I was telling her, man, I think that when I was in the military, I had this big imagination. Like when I went to Afghanistan, I did not think that I was going to die. Like I thought I was good. Mainly because I thought the Marine Corps trained us very well, but I was also naive. Man, I'm groovy. Nothing's going to happen. You were also 19 and 19 year olds think a certain way too. Exactly. And me being a teacher right now, I see that same mindset in my students. I'm like, you guys are very humorous. Like, you guys think bigger than yourself than you should, which is nothing really wrong with that. I think that you should think highly of yourself. But at some point in time, you have to be realistic. So the character, he has a big imagination. He thinks he's like a superhero or something, but he's really not. It's just an idea that he has in his mind. Like the idea I had in my mind. When I was a kid, my mom would say, put on your seatbelt. Because if we crash, something's going to happen to you. And I don't want anything to happen to you. My child's mind, I'm like, if something happens, if the car crashes, I'm just going to flip out the window, do a backflip and land on my feet. That's not really going to happen. So this character has that personality where he's like high and mighty in his mind. But in all actuality, he's really not. The audience will go back and forth between his imagination and reality. Kind of like Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes has this thing where like Calvin would be Spaceman Spiff, right? And you'll go through these adventures with him encountering aliens or something. And then he runs. And then the next scene you see, it has a door and it says, Teacher's Lounge. And somebody says, was that Calvin? Oh, man, that's so funny how they never tell you Calvin is interpreting his teachers as aliens. But just how they set the scene up, it's hard for you not to notice that he is interpreting his teachers as aliens. His mind, his imagination is so great. And I think that Going through what I went through and me being a creative, I was like, man, this has to go in my comic. Whatever I experienced in Afghanistan, whatever I experienced in the military, whatever I experienced with my brother, I have to find a way to express it because holding it in is not good for me. Holding in a lot of that stuff, it weighed heavy on me. So whenever it would come out, it would come out heavy. And I felt like that the people that I would express it to, it would come out as anger. And they felt like I would take my anger out on them. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I just had it all bottled in. And then when it finally came out, you know, like you you have a soda, like a Sprite, and you shake it up, right? And then you open the top and it just goes everywhere. And I felt like that's how I was because I had no outlet for things that were in my head. And I feel like this comic, making artwork, not even just this comic, but making artwork is my outlet for things that are in my head. I don't feel like I'm the greatest at conversation. In the sense that I don't have the biggest vocabulary. And sometimes I lose my train of thought. But when it comes to artwork, 
man, I'm focused. Like That is my passion. Whatever is in my head, I don't have a problem with putting it on paper. If I have an idea and I don't know how to articulate it, people can look at my artwork and say, hey, this is what's happening. And I'm like, mind blown. Man, how'd you know? <laughs> I love that about artwork. I'd like to touch on that a little bit, this healing power of creativity. This is one thing that I've always mentioned to veterans that I work with is you need to find a creative outlet in post-military life because if you can't get out what's going on in your mind just talking to somebody, find some way to express it. But it sounds like you've been a creative your entire life. You're talking about piano lessons, musically inclined when you were a kid. You were a character artist. You were doing art before the Marine Corps. Then you were the Joker in the Marine Corps. You were that Lance Corporal, I'm sure. You were (laughs) joking around and stuff like that. But so you had the creative bent. But I'm curious how creativity changed for you after your experiences in the military. Oh, man, I'm so glad that you said that because I'm an art teacher currently. And my students struggle with creating artwork. And I'm telling them, man, you got to read a book. You got to experience life because if you don't have any experiences, you don't have anything to say. You don't have anything to create. We can look at these famous artists like Pablo Picasso. He had a stage, an era in his life where he only painted in blue. And it's because of he went through something. He was mourning the death of his friend. So I believe that traveling the world, having these experiences in the military gave me something to talk about. I already wanted to create, but it gave me a story. So these days, I don't even consider myself an artist. I consider myself more of a storyteller because not all people who tell stories are the greatest artists. Some people don't even care. I did a survey and I was asking people, hey, when you read a comic, do you care more about the art or the story? It was 50-50, the art and the story. But I, me, I thought it was more about the art because I was an artist. But now I see that you cannot create a good comic without a good story. You cannot create good content without a good story. I learned that with brand identity, designing logos for people's brand. Like people want to know a good story for your brand. Think about the difference between Nike and Adidas. They have different stories. They both do the same thing. They both sell athletic wear, but who they are selling you to might be different in why they are selling you and their story behind why they are selling you is completely different. And that's how you build loyalty with your customers because they can identify with your story. And I think that's probably why a lot of people like my artwork or like my comic because they can identify with it and they can see me inside of my artwork. I think that it is very important that my experiences in life have given me something to say with my artwork. I absolutely agree. And having seen some of your artwork, I would have to agree. You and I independently collaborated on an upcoming project that Psychomers do in the military culture series. I did the narration, similar to what you're talking about. I consider myself a storyteller, but with voice and writing, right? Not through art. I tried to paint one time. Sculpture, not my thing. Painting, not my thing. I've got a guitar sitting in a closet somewhere, music, not my thing, but still creativity in many different ways. But I'd like to hear about your experience developing the characters for the cultural competence series. What did that mean to you to use your creativity now to be going back to doing something related to the military? So when I was originally approached about the project, I was in an organization called Bunker Labs. I was approached and asked if I wanted to be a part of this project. I really had no idea what it was. And I didn't start understanding what it was until I started doing it. As a matter of fact, when I started working with them, I was not an illustrator. I was a graphic designer. So I was doing things like helping them with presentations. So when they came to me with, hey, we have a course that we're going to launch and we would like for you to illustrate it. Um, I was kind of nervous because 
I have a very particular style. These illustrations kind of challenged me to do a different type of style. And when my mom saw it, she was very impressed. She's like, man, I'm glad. I draw a lot of cartoons, right? So any of my art that you see, even if it's realistic, it's going to have some type of cartoonish aspect to it. But when she saw it, she was like, man, I'm glad to see you doing more realistic art. I started to design the characters. Here is something ironic. When they sent me the character inspirations, like photos of people, they sent me a photo of my platoon commander when I went to Afghanistan. I was like, hey, I know that guy. He was my platoon commander. So, I, man, I felt like, hey, I need to be on this project. It's crazy. I'm like, I don't, do they know that I know this guy? So I told them, and they're like, hey, we did not know that. So I'm like, what are the chances of you guys picking a picture of somebody I know closely? I could call them up right now and say, hey, Captain Bursty, I just drew a picture of you to get onto this project. So I started developing the characters. I wasn't even sure if they would like my style because it was different from what they had originally shown me about what they had. I think I took a week to design characters and I sent them back to them and I had a lot of anxiety. Man, I hope they like it. I hope they like it. So they sent, I think it's Heidi. I was like, man, I love the characters. Man, I was just like, man, yes, I was so excited. And yes, I'm glad. So I started developing the rest of the characters. I had a really good time developing these characters because I felt like I was able to get back into the mindset of the military. Most of the people that I worked with during this project were in the military. So I felt I was definitely back in military culture. And that's crazy because that's what the project is, military culture. And I got to learn a lot about other branches I had no idea about, which helped me with the designing of the characters. Yeah, so designing the characters was fun. I got to look at old military pictures. I got to see some of their military pictures to design the characters. And yeah, I got to see other people's military experience aside from my own and people who I personally know. Yeah, no, I, I watched them. I think it's great. I tend not to listen to myself talking. I was paying more attention to the <laughs> to to the images. But no, it, Dante, they are very good. I think it really lends itself well to the course. It's really glad to be able to 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 partner with you, even though we hadn't met. We were collaborating on this project. So if people wanted to find out more about the work that you're doing, maybe get involved with some of the stuff, maybe find out more about the comic, how can they do that? So I went on a a social media hiatus, so I deleted all of my social media, but I just got back on, so I'm slowly adding on my social media. So right now I have an Instagram. My Instagram is underscore, underscore Bickham. So it's two underscores in my last name, B-I-C-K-H-A-M. So you can see my content of my comic book character and some characters that I designed. And I'll be putting the links to like Twitter and my LinkedIn. I'll put those links inside of my bio on Instagram, but currently I just have Instagram. So Dante, it was so great to be able to share your story. Glad to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, Comcast. Comcast creates incredible technology and entertainment that connects millions of people to the moments and experiences that matter most. You can find out more about how they support the military-affiliated population by going to corporate.comcast.com forward slash impact, forward slash military. So if you're listening to this when it's released, you'll hear Dante and I talking about the Psych Armor Military Culture Series sponsored by Comcast, which features characters developed by Dante that represent service members from across the military. The service includes four videos, the first on military culture generally, which introduces the series, 
then three separate videos that introduce the wide variety in people who serve in the military, common values that they often hold, and finally transition out of the military. And I'd like to think that my conversation with Dante illustrates many of those concepts as well. Dante and I both serving, me for a long period of time, him for a single enlistment, are different backgrounds, different ages, different branches of services and experiences within the military, but you can hear the common experiences that we shared. And he mentions his transition out of the military, which is both extremely common and absolutely unique to each individual. Dante's insight into the impact that his service had on him and, by extension, the students that he's now working with, is a beneficial look into the experiences of service members, especially veterans of the global war on terror. So given that my conversation with Dante ran longer than usual, I'll wrap up my post-interview comments by saying this is why we produce the show, to give you a glimpse behind the curtain of the course series and the stories behind the mission of many of the veteran support organizations that share PsychArmor's mission of caring for those who served and their families. Make sure to keep an eye on PsychArmor's social media channels for the release of the series. So I hope you appreciated my conversation with Dante. If you did, we'd appreciate hearing from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at We're always glad to hear from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the military culture category of training on PsychArmor's website. This category contains 11 different courses that includes 15 things videos highlighting veterans, military and veteran children, and caregivers, as well as facts about wounded warriors, women in the military, and military leaders. You can find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the PsychArmor website, psychummer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Much appreciation to the team at PsychArmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator. Support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well. <laughs>